0: Good evening, I'm Joseph Martinez, and welcome to Dead Time Stories, a podcast presented by Ranker, dedicated to telling short, scary stories submitted by real people. Whether the stories are real or not, who knows, but they are scary. Now, please forgive me. I can take you no further, but your stories lie just ahead. Down the dark alleyway, your host awaits. Do be careful, though. Deadhead can be Mercurial. I'll wait for you here. Godspeed.
1: Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to Amazon.com slash ad free true crime. That's Amazon.com slash ad free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and
2: A little tingle down my spine told me you'd be joining us this evening, and here you are. Fitting, because tonight's five tales of terror are about our sixth sense. The first fright takes us to a rainy day when two children discover a game called Hangman.
1: It's been over 25 years since my grandma Laney's bizarre death, but I remember it like it was yesterday. My neighbor Sam had come over. It had been raining all week, and he had tracked in mud onto my grandma's carpet. If grandma was upset, she didn't show it. She loved having kids come to visit. She said it filled the house with life. Sam grabbed me and pulled me into the living room. He was carrying something under his shirt to protect it from the rain. He sat me down and showed me what he had been hiding. A notebook. He said his older brother had shown him a new game, and he wanted to play it with me. He started to draw on the notebook—an upside-down L with seven blank lines on the side of it. He told me to guess the word he was thinking about—one letter at a time. For every letter you get right, you fill in the blank. For every letter you get wrong, another body part will appear on the hangman. (laughs) What a dark, twisted game for a couple of kids to play, right? I didn't want to play at first, but it started to rain. And it wasn't just a light drizzle. It began to pour. Okay, let's play. I remember I started from the top. A. And he marked down two A's. The third and last spaces. Grandma passed by and offered us tea and fresh-baked cookies for the cold. She noticed we were playing hangman. I used to play this all the time when I was your age. Sam ignored her and went straight for the cookies. She excused herself and told us she'd be in the kitchen. Be? I called out for her. Grandma, are you okay? She hesitated. Yes, dear. The tea jar came off the shelf somehow and clunked me on the head. Don't worry about me. You two keep playing your game. Sam looked over at me with a pen in his mouth. Some of the ink leaked through and stained his lips. We shrugged at each other and kept playing. I looked at the notepad. He drew a circle right under the upside-down L, wrote the letter B, and crossed it out. C? Grandma? I glanced toward the kitchen, hoping to get a good look at her. She called out from the kitchen. My body sure ain't what it used to be. I almost threw my back out while picking the tea jar up off the floor. Sam connected a line to the circle, then looked out toward the kitchen, too. He sipped his tea and instantly spit it back into the cup again. D, I guessed. Sam stopped for a second. He picked up his pen and started writing out the word in the air. I tried to see what he was spelling, picturing each letter he shaped, but nothing. He wrote down the letter D and smiled at me. I looked down at the notepad. Two A's and one D. My vocabulary was limited. Maybe it was an animal. Maybe it was a place. I don't know. E. F. Sam wrote down the letters and crossed them out. He snickered, nope and nope. Then attached two other lines to the one before. Suddenly I noticed a cookie rolling out of the kitchen. Sam jokingly said, Wow, your grandma sure is clumsy today. He was right. I couldn't understand why. Grandma Laney was always so graceful. I ignored his comment and went back to the game. G? He shoved a cookie in his mouth and wrote G in the first space. He counted the remaining spaces. That's three more letters and three more tries. Good luck. Grandma came out of the kitchen with wet towels on her arms. She checked up on us. I remember asking her if she was okay. She assured me she was fine and told me not to worry. She started making her way toward the stairs. H? Grandma had missed a step and banged her knee into the stairs. She shook her head and continued to slowly make her way to the top. Sam ate the last cookie, so I sent him to the kitchen to get us some more. I remember looking at the notepad and still not understanding what word he was thinking of. Going down the alphabet wasn't going to work, so I came up with another plan. I figured I'd just start saying random letters and hope for the best. Sam came back with the cookies and a glass of milk. He then sat across from me. How many tries do I have left? I asked. He shoved another cookie in his mouth and raised two fingers. Oh, okay, what about S for Sam? He shook his head no and sent crumbles flying all over the place. He smirked as he wrote down the letter and crossed it out. He then added another line. Grandma made a noise upstairs. It was so muffled, I dismissed it and said, E for Emily. I remember the cheers he gave. Sam punched the air with glee and shouted, I win! I win! I win! Sam drew a noose around the stick figure's head and then a line to connect it to the L. Just then, I heard a loud thud from above our heads. My stomach sank. What was the word? I asked. He drew X's for eyes and a frown with a tongue sticking out. Sam smiled and answered, "Grandma."
2: Oh, I bet Grandma wishes Emily got the hang of the game a little sooner. (laughs) Oh, well. That's the way the cookie crumbles. But not for you cadavers. Many more stories to come after this. Ever have an itch you just can't scratch? The couple in our next tale
3: are tickled all over in the worst kind of way in a story I call The Annoying Itch. After three years of being together, Sophie and I tied the knot. And in honor of this new chapter, we bought a house. Now, we like to indulge in DIY projects all the time. But the house was a bit sad. It had an earthy scent to it. It Needed paint, new molding. Several of the windows were cracked and so filthy you couldn't see through them. The house had several holes in the walls, some as big as my head. The realtor told us about a break in a few weeks back. They believed whoever broke in then caused all the damage. And to us, none of that mattered. The house was perfect. It had a big, beautiful window right in front, a white picket fence, a huge backyard. And Sophie fell in love with the house the moment she saw it. And I fell in love with the house the moment I saw the price. What can I say? I'm frugal. After pulling out the carpets, we began to fill in all the holes starting with the bedroom. It wasn't the best job, but enough to cover it up and put in our king-size mattress. The headboard and base were donated, but the mattress was memory foam, albeit secondhand off the internet. After a hard day's work, we slept like babies. But the next morning, we both woke up to rashes all over our bodies, also like babies. We weren't sure what caused it, figured it was an allergic reaction to our dusty new surroundings. Sophie and I showered off and continued on with our work. We realized the house had way more holes than when we first signed the papers. Upon further inspection, the carpet in the living room was basically gone. After another long, grueling day, we showered and hit the hay. When we woke up, another annoying rash appeared. Sophie suggested we toss our sheets and buy new ones. I obliged, and that night I put on a brand new pair. But when we woke up, it was the same rash. Always the same, but in various different places on our bodies. Then one night, we heard a noise. I woke up and looked around. Maybe it was an intruder. I grabbed my phone and shined the light toward the door. It was still locked. I looked down at the sheets. Our bed was covered in bugs. Hundreds and hundreds of bugs just crawling all over. That morning, we threw out our bed sheets, fumigated the entire house, and slept in a hotel. When we returned, we cleaned out our bedroom, lit some incense, and hoped all those bugs were gone. And they sure were. We had our first successful night of sleep. The next day, some of the furniture we ordered had arrived. We had a few friends come over and give us a hand. We built most of it, finished setting up the living room, ordered pizza. The house began to feel like home. I glanced over at Sophie. She smiled at me. I think she was thinking the same thing. We went to bed that night, excited for our future. And that night, I had a nightmare. I dreamt I was working on the house when I tripped and fell on a board full of nails. I could actually feel the pain puncture my thighs. The pain woke me up and that's when I saw them. Two bugs the size of my hands were eating my legs. I screamed at the top of my lungs. Sophie woke up and swatted at them with her pillow and they scuttled away. It was too dark to see where they went but we could hear their tiny little legs clack across our floor. We shot up out of bed and turned the lights on. I had two holes in each of my legs the size of dimes. I ran into the bathroom and scrubbed the wounds with soap and water. Sophie ran in to help me. That's when it hit her. The only constant thing in this house has been the damn bed I insisted we buy. It's not the bed, I told her. That's when she shot to her feet and flipped the mattress upside down. There, It was a colony of creepy crawly bugs living right under us while we slept. Sophie dragged the mattress out to the street all by herself. I sat there looking at my bloody legs. I hate it when she's right
2: Oh, talk about bedbugs, all right, cadavers? I hope Eric learned his lesson. If an offer is too good to be true, it will come back to bite you. And I'll be back right after this. Any of you cadavers have a fear of water? Louise in our next tale does, and it just might get the best of her in Swim to Death.
4: I don't know where it came from or what encouraged it, but I decided to take up swimming lessons. Maybe because it was the end of an era, AKA my 20s, my career flopped, my love life non-existent. And on top of that, I gained another five pounds. I don't know, something about trying to conquer a fear made me feel like I have some sort of control again. I got to the pool at 9.23 a.m., much earlier than the time my instructor gave me. I read online that you should shower before and after the pool. This I could do. The water can be turned on and off with a twist of a knob. Too cold? Let me turn up the heat. Too strong? Let me reduce the pressure. But the water out there, in the pool in oceans and lakes. What control do I have there? Humans weren't meant to be in the water. We don't have gills. We don't have fins. I was psyching myself out again. I tried to relax. Just breathe. Just breathe. Your instructor will be there. He won't let anything happen to you. I told myself. Then I heard a cry, as if there was a small child in the locker room with me. I got out of the shower and went to my stuff, but my bag was missing. I wasn't alone. 9.52 a.m. It took me longer to find my bag than to shower. I was going to leave it in the lockers, but not after that incident. I still had a few minutes before the instructor arrived. Great, I need to mentally prepare for this. I walked around the perimeter of the pool. It made my insides curl. I could feel a single sweat drop down my back. My heart skipped a beat. My eyes couldn't focus. They kept distorting the room. My knees felt weak. This is it, huh? I thought, face to face with a large body of water. What if I just touch it? Would that make it real? I put my fingertips to it. It wasn't too cold or too hot. Didn't feel heavy at all. One step at a time. That's all it takes. I heard a loud splash from the other end of the pool. But I didn't see anybody. I heard it again. A child. I yanked my hand out of the water and picked myself up. I took a look around, but I was all alone. 10 o'clock on the dot. Where was my instructor? 10.15 a.m. Still nowhere to be seen. I heard the cry again. I thought, well, maybe there's a kid here who's afraid to swim, too. So I looked for him. I can hear you. Where are you? A little boy stood across from me. Hi, sweetie, where's your mom? He shook his head no. His arms wrapped around his body. He wore a pair of blue shorts with rubber duckies on them. He looked cold. His skin was white and his lips were blue. Sweetie, where are your parents? I asked. He let out a cry. The same cry I'd been hearing all morning. He broke into a sprint and ran along the edge of the pool. My maternal instincts kicked in. Stop! Stop! You can really get hurt! Just like that, he slipped and fell in the deep end. Without thinking, my body takes a running start and I leap off the edge. The water embraced me. Another victim it could swallow whole. I reached out for the boy, but I couldn't find him. Suddenly, a strong hand grabbed me and jerked me up towards the surface. It was the instructor. Don't panic. Just relax. Try to stand. You're in the shallow. I stretched my legs and stood. He was right. He apologized for being late, but praised my courage for jumping in myself. I didn't do it on purpose. There was a little boy. I explained. Just me and you. He nodded with a grin. He grabbed my arm and pulled me towards the deeper end. Let's just begin, shall we? You're already in the water. We're off to a great start. 10.31 a.m. We went through the basics. He taught me different ways I could move my arms and feet in the water. Showed me how to relax so my body would float. Then it was time for the next exercise. Submersion. It's important to know how long you can hold your breath for. He laid me down face on the water and placed his hand on my back. When you think you've reached your limit, tap my leg so I can pull you back up, okay? I had been doing great so far. Just a minor panic attack, but nothing too serious. This was going to be easy. He pressed me down gently. I focused my breathing and listening to my heartbeat. When I felt my lungs tug for oxygen, I tapped his leg and he pulled me up. He pressed me down gently. I focused on my breathing and listened to my heartbeat. When I felt my lungs tug for oxygen, I tapped his leg and he pulled me up. Great, let's do it again, he said. The boy's echoing cry came again. Do you hear him? It's the boy. (laughs) The instructor pushed me into the water, lower than before. I could feel his strength pinning me down. My ears popped, my body went backwards. I repeatedly tapped his leg. He brought me up again and as I gasped for air I heard him say what doesn't kill us makes us stronger and he shoved me back down before I could hold my breath. Water filled my lungs. My eyes shot open in panic and then I saw him. The little boy. He was sunk at the bottom of the pool. Dead. My body convulsed. I thrashed like a fish on a hook. Then the little boy opened his eyes and pointed at the instructor, signaling me that he was the cause of his suffering. I mustered all of my focus, stopped thrashing, and relaxed, then dug my fingernails into the instructor's skin and clawed into his thigh. He recoiled in pain, and I followed up with a swift kick in the balls and got the hell out of there. I don't know if he was actually going to drown me, but... I wasn't going to stick around to find out.
2: Something tells me the next lesson for Louise was going to be the dead man's float. Good thing she ran off. But don't you go anywhere, cadavers. I have more scary stories for you after this break.
1: As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Still
3: afraid
2: to go in the water. Our next story gives you good reason. Here is a tale
0: I call The Swamp Man. Our jogging instructor thought it would be a good idea to change the route we take every Sunday. He chose one right next to the city lake. I didn't even notice the path until I smelled it. The algae, the water. Aye. I almost forgot what that smelled like. You see, my older brother told me about the legend of the swamp man who lived in our lake. It was an old folktale about a creature that springs out and drags people underwater and eats them alive while they drown. I remember looking down to that lake, seeing that black water, the algae, the bugs. I imagined what can be living under that water when a hand reached out and pulled me in. It was my older brother, Al. Our mom had bought him a snorkel for his birthday and he would used it to hide underwater and scare the crap out of me. My other brother and sister were in on the joke and them and Al took off before they can get in trouble. They ran faster than usual that day and they left me behind. I couldn't stop staring at it, at the water, waiting for him to jump out. Flash forward 20-something years later, I'm with the running group and they love the new lake route. Of course, I hated it. But I wasn't a kid anymore. I knew rationally I had nothing to fear. So I ran with them. I figured maybe being near the lake would resolve my fear. It didn't. I began having nightmares. It was always the same one, so realistic. The sky was cloudy. The air was cold. I'd be looking down into the lake, slowly walking deeper and deeper inside. The water would get murky and heavy. But I didn't stop. I couldn't stop. I kept going until it was only my head above the water. And then... He pulls me in. The Swamp Man. I could feel the water filling my lungs. His slimy hands pulling me down and he'd wrap his body around mine. And then I'd see his face. His empty, soulless eyes. He'd open his mouth and he'd bite into my neck. His sharp teeth would rip into my throat. Then I'd wake up, drenched in sweat. It was Sunday again, time to run, and I was ready. I stayed toward the back, ready to part with the group. I was tired of living in fear. The sun was warm, the sky was perfect. A family sat on the other side, enjoying the day. Kids ran in and out of the water with snorkels and a small net. The lake didn't seem so terrifying. I didn't bother taking off my shoes or clothes. I didn't even warm myself up to the water. I took a deep breath and I charged inside. I ran until the water was up to my knees. I could see the ducks and the bugs around me. The water wasn't clean, but it wasn't as dirty as I remember. It was actually nice. I'd done it. I had faced my fear. I took another step and I sunk to my neck. I had stepped off the shelf of the shore and into the open water. No more ground for me to stand on. I was swimming in the lake. I had felt this before, as a kid, in my dreams. And now I knew what to do. I felt around for more ground, but there was nothing. I closed my eyes, held my breath, and I went under. The water grew colder as I descended toward the lake bottom. Heavier. My eyes were closed, but I could perceive the light... Fade as I sank further into the unknown. The air in my lungs began to feel thin. I needed to come up to breathe soon. Not knowing what was lurking in my surroundings, I felt compelled to open my eyes. Would he be there? Waiting to snuff me out? I forced myself to open up my eyes. I took in the green light of my surroundings. There was nothing in the lake but murky water and sand. I had overcome my fear. I started swimming for the surface. As I got closer, I felt a rush of water. There was something with me. I looked around. And there he was. Swamp man, with his huge eyes staring back at me. I kicked and swung my arms to push myself up. For a moment, I reached the surface and my mouth inhaled all the air my lungs could take. And I fell again, down into the depths. I turned and I see him his huge dark eyes staring into mine. As I claw for air, I feel it, his grasp. I try to pull his arm off me. I reach the surface, and I get pulled down again. I kick and I punch, and I kick and I punch. I am at a disadvantage, but I promised myself this was not how I was going to die. I lunge toward him, and I bit into his face. I keep biting and biting until I reach the bone. He goes limp. I push the swamp man off me, and I head toward the shore. My body collapsed, but I did it. I survived the Swamp Man. I watched the lake to make sure he wasn't going to follow me out, but the water was still. And then, something broke the surface. A snorkel. The body followed moments later. It was the father from the other side of the lake. His foot Had gotten caught underwater, some vines or something. And he was grabbing at me for help.
2: Wow, Jeff, I guess congratulations on conquering your fear. My condolences to the Snorkelers family. Let's all share in a moment of silence during this next break. Ready for our last tale of the evening cadavers? It involves a bus driver and one of his favorite passengers who really starts to creep him out. I call this story Let Me Off. My name's Gregory. I drive a bus for a living. Now, I've been a bus driver for 15 years, and I ain't never seen nothing that shook me. (laughs) Not until this one night. past few months, I'd been picking up extra shifts. You know, with the holidays around the corner, I wasn't about to slack off, no sir. Especially not for no mild fever or sore throat. Nothing a hot toddy and a few cough drops couldn't fix, am I right? Well, with the fall, flu season takes hold, and my bus becomes an infirmary on wheels. It's part of the job. It was a Sunday night, I remember that. Pretty empty, but we'd get a few passengers here and there. One of my weekly passengers was Sally. Sweet and sassy lady. (laughs) She loved practical jokes. Sally had to be in her 80s, but she always said, as long as my legs are still working, so will I. Sally always carried her bus pass around her neck and a bag of what looked like groceries. But the moment she walked onto the bus that night, I could tell something was wrong. Now I talked to her like I always do, tried to get a smile out of her, but it wasn't working. Then she sneezed into her hand, and oh my God, the amount of snot that came out of that poor woman's face. Well, shit, she looked like a green geyser. You know, like Ghostbusters slime or something like that. She didn't say a word after that. She just took a seat. Now, I've known Sally for only a few months, but she usually sat right behind me and conversated, you know what I'm saying? She teased me and pulled little pranks like hide my thermos or wear my hat. But not that night. She was pale, fragile. I knew I had a schedule to keep up with, but I refused to pull out into traffic until I saw her reach her seat and sit down. And I remember the time was 8.05. It was so cold inside that bus that night, I could see my breath. I remember thinking, winter's going to hit hard this year. Anyway, hours went by, and Sally's usual stop had long passed. I could see her in the rearview mirror. She was just sitting there, looking out the window, alone. Then all of a sudden, she's beside me from the back of the bus right to the front row seat my heart was starting to beat like a trip hammer made me swerve into the next lane i just remember this joke i've been dying to tell you she was back to her old self i thought but over the course of the conversation i began to realize little things were off like the way she would laugh hard and then stop suddenly smile wide but with fear in her eyes we talked for at least an hour i laughed along but nothing felt humorous about this she was acting so strange. The night began to feel heavier, from the fog outside to the air inside the bus. I looked at my watch happily. Just another hour until 1am and my shift would be over. I glanced over at Sally and asked where she was going to get dropped off. Then, out of the blue, her smile disappeared. <gasps> she went pale again and began murmuring under her breath. I couldn't make out what she was saying at first. I kept on asking if something was wrong. But then she started to yell at me at the top of her lungs to pull over, pull over. She made these weird gurgling sounds. I thought maybe she was having one of them strokes or something. So I pulled right over and looked toward her seat. She was gone. I mean, disappeared into thin air. I could have sworn she was sitting where she always did. I searched the bus, but I was the only soul on board. I stood there thinking maybe, you know, maybe I overdone it with that hot toddy. And then I saw her again. This time she was outside the bus, shivering, with a smile on her face. I ran out in the cold to check on her. She was obviously in a bad way. But the moment I stepped on the sidewalk, she was gone. Poof! Disappeared. Then the bus doors closed behind me. And there she was, standing next to the driver's seat, hand on the lever. I remember she was staring at me. I pounded on that door, just screaming at her. Sally, open the door! Open the door, you hear? But I felt fear. You know, the kind of fear that feels like cold water being dumped all over your body. Then she jumped into the driver's seat. Her thin, bony fingers wrapped around the wheel, and she looked over at me one more time. Oh, no way was she gonna take off in this bus. Not my bus. Right when she started to take off, I was able to pry open the door and get on board. Oh, I was furious. It was after midnight and I wasn't in the mood for jokes. As I stepped in the bus to scold her, she wasn't there. She was sitting at the far end of the bus, where she originally sat at the beginning of my shift. As I stomped back towards her, I realized something was off. Her head was thrown back, her neck stretched past its limit, her mouth and eyes wide open, her arms bent in toward her chest. (sighs) I checked for her pulse. Nothing. She was gone. I waited outside for the police, for the ambulance to arrive. I couldn't wait on that bus, no matter how cold it was outside. But you know the thing that haunts me the most? One of the cops told me she died at between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m., just about the time she boarded my bus.
4: Let's jump into
3: Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers. Hunt for muddy puddles. and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.
2: Oh, so glad to hear Sally made it to her final destination. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's our last stop too. I hope you've enjoyed our five stories about the sixth sense. Do come visit me again soon. We have many more short, scary stories to share. Sweet dreams, my little cadavers.
0: <laughs> you've made it through the night. Congrats. Let's get going before that changes. The five stories you've just heard were written by Alan Cheng. Tonight's episode starred Todd Lights, Mary Catherine Greenewald, Amy Kirsten, Andrew Arnett, with editing by my younger brother, Martin Martinez. I believe you can find your way home from here. Until next time, farewell.